Good morning. Let me invite you, uh, if you brought your Bibles along, or to grab the Bible in front of you in your pew and turn uh, initially to the book of Deuteronomy with me this morning. It's one of the first five books of Moses, so it's, it's near the front of your Bibles if you're searching. And I mentioned last week that today we are sort of pausing for a while in our series on James. We made it through the first three chapters, and we're going to come back to James and finish chapter 4 and chapter 5 in January. So I know that's a a little bit of a a break, but we are going to come back. We are going to finish that book together. But this morning marks uh, the next few months together that we really felt it would be valuable to take some time to talk about our core values at JCC. And this comes out of kind of a a year-long process that we are in the midst of. Way back uh, in the spring, we gathered together a team that that we've been calling the Discovery Team. There are uh, seven of us, Pete and I, some deacons, some other members and leaders from the church. And we've been thinking about uh, probably the the big question we, we started with was, What's the mission God has for us as a church, as as a people? What does he have uniquely and specifically for us to do and to be at JCC? And as we began to to think about how we answer that question, it seemed like there was actually a, a question that preceded this idea about mission. Before we identify what we're to do as a church, I think we need to answer the question, who we are as a church. And that another another way of saying that is, what are our core values? What's our identity? What's in our DNA? What makes JCC uniquely this church body and family? And so uh, one one person who's, who's written on leadership in the church has described core values in this way. The core values of a church or a ministry or an organization are the things that we should never change. Right? There, there's always going to be the process of change in pursuing mission, right? in continuing to go where God leads us. But our core values are the things we say, this is who we are, this is what defines us. These things have to be stewarded and, and held fast. They're the things that are are precious and essential enough to us that they make the the challenge and the losses and the difficulties of following in God, God in mission, worth it. They're they're the things that we keep coming back to. And so for the last six months, this discovery team that, that we've been working with has spent most of our time trying to identify these core values. And we've, we've tried to do that by talking with many of you. We've spent time, extensive time talking with each other. We've spent extensive time digging into the scriptures and asking, asking ourselves, what, what does the, the word of God value for us as a people? And so as, as part of that ongoing process, we've arrived at what we feel like are, are four core values that describe who we want to be, who we want to to hold fast to being at JCC. And those values are that we want to be a people who value belonging, who value following, who value growing, and who value 
joining. Belonging to God, our Father, and the family that he's called and created, pulled together. People who value following Jesus into lifelong discipleship. People who value growing into spiritual maturity through the help of the Holy Spirit. And the people who value joining God's mission in the world where, where he is at work. And so between now and Thanksgiving, we're going to take two Sundays, two weeks to, to sort of drill down into each one of these four values. We're, we're going to invite you to sort of take them out for a test drive. Take them out of the box and, and play with them a little bit and, and see whether they, they seem to define or, or express what you also believe is, is core about the kind of church family you desire to belong to. I've printed off, and hopefully as you came in today, you got this kind of long rectangular sheet of paper. Uh, that, that is uh, a guide that you can take home. You can work through those questions on your own, but that resource is really designed to, do, uh, to unpack these values, to get them out and, and talk about them in a group setting. So if you're in a small group, it would be great to, to make use of those in that small group setting. If you're not part of a small group, you're certainly welcome to jump into one in this season. Or you can find that the people that you're close to and, and sort of have your own discussion, maybe share a meal together and, and break into uh, this, these deeper discussions. They'll, they'll be coming out every two weeks. We'll give you another one of those focused on the next value. To make the most of our time today, though, I want to jump right into the first of those four values. That we desire to be a people who, whose core values include belonging. Belonging to God our Father and the family he's created and called together. I was reflecting with my family yesterday. Our daughter Josie had dug up an old journal. They were over in New York with family this week. And she found an old journal uh, from several years ago that she was writing. She was five or six years old at the time. And we discovered that actually yesterday marked the six-year anniversary of when our family got on an airplane, and we effectively relocated where our family would belong from now on. Six years ago, we got on an airplane in Shanghai, and we flew back to North America. And we, we left behind what had been our primary home in, in China for over 10 years, and we arrived in the U.S. looking for a place to call home, for a place to belong to. And the Lord directed us and led us here to Jericho. So belonging is something I deeply value at a, at a personal level. Belonging is something I know I need personally. And I know my family needs. Right? We, we need to belong so that we might stay connected to the mission God has for us. And I also believe that belonging is essential to us as a church family. If you brought your, um, your scripture journals again this week, and let me invite you to keep bringing these back. You can start a new one, or my guess is you still have plenty of space. You know, find a new section. We'll be, uh, we won't be writing out whole books of scripture together in these next two months, but we will be focusing on key scriptures, and I'd love for you to continue to write those out and, and to come back to them through the week. And if you'd like to, you can write these words down. They're not scripture, 
They're not canon, but they are words that we've thought about carefully as, as a church. And I'd give them to you as something to consider. We value belonging to God our Father and the family he creates and calls together. This means we welcome and care for each part of the diverse intergenerational body he is building. Let me read that again. We value belonging to God our Father and the family he creates and calls together. This means we welcome and care for each part of the diverse intergenerational body he is building. As we try that on as, as a value, as something that defines who we are and who we want to continue to be, what I want to do today and also next week is, is to look into the Bible and to see where this value comes forth. I want to, want to ask of the scriptures, right, is belonging a core value in God's story, in the word of God given to us? And so the first place I want to look with you this morning is the book of Deuteronomy. And if you, if you asked me, you know, in the Old Testament, what's the closest thing we have to a core values document? Right, a defining description of, of what the people of God are to be. Right, Deuteronomy might well be that, that book, that core values section. And if you remember the context of Deuteronomy... It comes just on the, on the precipice of, of the people of God, the people of Israel. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They're a nation of, of former slaves, delivered by God, rescued by him, and led now to the border of Canaan, the border of the promised land. And as they prepare to enter and receive that land... Deuteronomy is is the rehearsal of the law, the rehearsal of of both all that God has done to bring them to that point, but also all that God intends and desires to do for them as they enter the land. Deuteronomy is, is about allowing the memory of what God has done to shape who they become, what their mission will be into the future. I think one of the, the core values in Deuteronomy that the Lord expresses is is to this people. He says, no matter where you go, no matter where you dwell, no matter what happens in this new land, your primary place of belonging is with God, is in his presence. So let me open to the word of God this morning, Deuteronomy 32. Let me pray for us as we do that. Lord, thank you that we are a people today. We're gathered here together. Thank you for the grace to be gathered in person. Lord, we do not take that lightly. We give you thanks for that. And we give you thanks for your word that defines us. We want to be shaped by what your word says. People is to be. We want to value what you value above all else. So, Lord, as I teach, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 
So we're opening up in, in the middle of a book, which is always a dangerous thing to do because I'm not giving you much context, right? We haven't been moving through Deuteronomy. But let me give you this as a bit of a, an intro to where we're, we're opening up to. Again, I've, I've given you a little bit of the context of what's happening in Israel when the book of Deuteronomy is, is given to this people. And one of the major topics throughout Deuteronomy is this idea that the Lord is blessing Israel with an incredible gift. God has prepared a new place, a new home, a new land for them to take possession of. And that, that phrase is reiterated throughout Deuteronomy. You're going to, to enter the land and take possession of it. But on several occasions in Deuteronomy, the Lord says, your possession of the land, your reception of this gift hinges on one critical condition. That in the same way this new land will be given to you and will belong to you, the people who live in that land must belong to me, the Lord says. The land will be your possession. You will be my possession, the Lord says. And he even says that the people of Israel will be his segelah, in Hebrew, the word means his treasured possession, the thing that he loves more than anything else. And so here in chapter 32, this actually comes in the midst of a reminder. It's, it's the Lord looking ahead to a time when they will be tested as a people, when they'll be tempted to forget how they came to be a people, what, what brought them into this land, what, what gifted it to them in the first place. And in chapter 32, starting in verse 9, the Lord urges them in those moments of testing to remember their identity. They are firstly a people who belong to Yahweh. Let me read verses 9, 10, and 11 in chapter 32. And if you're wanting to copy something out, let me invite you to at least copy verse 9 down. You can copy the whole thing if you, li if you like, but you can focus on verse 9. Verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, like an eagle that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. This is who the Lord is. This is what he's done. The name Jacob here, of course, is, is referring to the people of Israel, to their ancestry, and, and who they are, and how they became a people. And these three verses, I think, present a truth that each and every one of us need to know deep in our, our bones. We need to carry this truth around with us. Verse 9 says, out of all the things that God created, right? He's the Lord of heaven and earth. There's nothing made that he did not make. Out of all the things God created, there's only one thing the Lord has set aside and said, this bit is especially for me. Verse 9 says God's 
portion in creation. His allotted inheritance. What God passionately claims as his own is, is not a temple, it's not a mountain, it's not a building somewhere, it's not a piece of real estate. It's a people that he can call his very own. The Lord's portion is his people. And because that's God's overwhelming desire, verses 10 and 11 express a choice on God's part to go out and find that people, to locate them, to search out those who might belong to him. But notice in verse 10 where God decides to look. If you're looking for, for a special, a treasured people to belong to you, where would you go searching? Well, verse 10 tells us that God heads into the desert wastelands. God heads into places where a people are dwelling, but, but no one could rightly call these kinds of places home. God goes out searching for people who are lost, and for people who have nowhere else to belong. That's where God searches. I wonder if that's ever been your experience. When have you needed a place to belong? When have you been lost? When have you been without a home? I've heard many of you share with me stories about how you came to JCC and how you you may have come here in the middle of or or just on the heels of a difficult season in your life. Maybe you came here after a painful experience in another church community. Or maybe you came here at a time when you were deeply hungry for, for a greater sense of spiritual community and connection. And by God's grace, this became a place where you you felt known, where you felt bound, a place where you could belong. You discovered a kind of family here. I've also heard from others of you here how you have come similarly searching for that kind of belonging, for that kind of connection but it's been harder than expected. For some of us, it's it's been harder to break into what feels familiar to everybody else. It's felt harder to feel known or or valued or, or connected to the life of this place. So let me say, for for a church like ours, For those of of us who most enjoy a sense of belonging here, we must always remember as part of our our core identity and value how we extend that circle of belonging to those who are still looking for that place, still searching. And we do that because that is how our God operates. Look with me at the end of verse 10. Verse 10, right, we're we're told Yahweh 
delights in having a people for his own. And so he goes out searching in these remote and desert places. And then at the end of verse 10, it says, when Yahweh sees these people, people who desperately need a place to belong, as he goes in and he gets a closer look and he sees how vulnerable they are, Yahweh begins to shield them. He begins to care for them. Yahweh is moved with love for them. And Yahweh says, to to those who have nowhere else to belong, you will belong to me. You will be my treasured possession. You will be the the apple of my eye, as, as precious as my own sight is to me, God says. And then in verse 11, we get one of my favorite images about belonging in the scriptures. It says that Yahweh invites this desolate people, this scattered people, to come under his wings. And the the metaphor here is is like a mother raptor, an eagle, some kind of of bird with an incredible wingspan. It spreads its, its wings so that we might take shelter under them. God uses his wings. He he stirs those who belong to him from their nest. And and he provokes them to to fly beside himself. And even as we begin to follow him, he spreads his wings beneath us, the text says. Lest we should falter. That he might bear us up. It's under the protective strength of Yahweh's wings that we find space to belong. We are free to belong, free to be chosen, free to feel at home. And so at JCC, as we think about people who are charged with stewarding this value, that we belong to God, we have to to know that we are people the Lord has chosen. That's an act of mercy. That's an act of grace. That that we cannot be a place of belonging for others until we know we belong to God himself. That we're his inheritance. That we, in coming to him under his wings, that's where our story begins. You and I belong to God. So that image of belonging under Yahweh's wings is one that's not only in Deuteronomy, it actually showed up earlier in the book of Exodus, and it comes again as as a refrain throughout Scripture. What it means to be God's people is that we shelter, we we take refuge under his wings. So I want to finish this morning by looking at one more example of that, that phrase, and it comes in Psalm 36. Now, interestingly enough, if you turn with me there now to Psalm 36, you'll notice that the first four verses of that psalm, which we're not going to take the time to read, are actually the the prayer. They express the the struggle of someone who doesn't feel like they belong very much. Someone who's discouraged by all the the kind of wickedness and brokenness and deceit they see in the world around them. And and they don't feel like there are people that they are are known by or, or safe to be known by. They feel, in some ways, uprooted and and unsure. But then, beginning here in verse 5, the 
The psalm remembers a place where they do belong. They remember the powerful sense of belonging they have in the house of the Lord. Look with me at verses 5 through 8. And if you want to zero in on something to copy, copy verses 7 and 8 this morning. Psalm 36, verse 5. But your love, Lord, your love reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. It's that idea of protection again. Verse 7, how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them, you give them drink from your river of delights. How priceless is your unfailing love, O oh God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Again, I think the psalmist is, is, is asking the question, where can we go to belong? I don't know if, if any of you back in the 80s watched the sitcom Cheers. I was too young to be watching the sitcom Cheers, but I was watching it even so. And, and the, the theme song, right, of that, that sitcom invited the audience to imagine a place where, what? Everybody knows your name. See? We all, we all know it. Better than we know the Psalms, probably. We know the Cheers theme song. A place where everyone knows your name, right? For most of us, that's probably not an old pub in downtown Boston. But I wonder, is there somewhere you go? Is there somewhere when you step through the door, when you sit down in a certain spot, that you know you belong? Is there a place where you feel full permission to just be yourself in that place? Maybe it's a place you can go still. Maybe it's a place you used to go in your childhood. Maybe it's the home you grew up in. Maybe it was a grandparent's house. Maybe it's a summer camp on the lake. Maybe it's a kitchen table somewhere. For the psalmist, that place where he could go and he knew that he belonged there was the temple of the Lord. This is a song of ascent. It's it's, it's not in the back of the Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, but it's, it's a song that would, would be sung as, as people would go up to the house or into the house of the Lord. Entry psalm. Psalm 36, then, is a, is a song for, for the people of God to remember what it's like to be there, what it's like to step into the presence of God's own house. An Old Testament commentator, Derek Kidner, says of, of verses 5 through 8, he says that in God's presence, there's, quote, a whole world to explore. There's a broad place to be brought into. It's unsearchable. It's impregnable. It's inexhaustible. And yet, for all of that, it's welcoming and hospitable. 
And the psalmist says when we step into the love of God that the sky is the limit. The psalmist says when we gaze upon the formidable goodness and righteousness of God, they're, they're as vast as the ocean. They're as majestic as a mountain range. And in verse 7, the psalmist says, despite whatever loneliness or hostility we meet in the world around us, we can always go up to the house of the Lord and find a grateful people gathered there. People who have come to take refuge in the shadow of God's wings. God always extends the invitation to come and belong with him in his house. And in verse 8 it says that, that when God extends that invitation, when people come and they gather together, and when they begin to experience a deep sense of belonging to God and to one another, what happens? What do they do? They feast, they eat together. Right? When you hang out with your best friends, with the people you're closest to, Right? You get out the best food you have, the best drink, the best dessert you can supply, and you put it all out on the table. That's what God's people do in his house. I, I wasn't here 120 years ago when they started the chicken pie supper, but I'm guessing that felt like a belonging kind of meal. Right? A celebration of what it meant to be God's people gathered and feasting in his house. Someone recently told me about a tradition in their family and how when they were a kid, every Sunday afternoon, they went to their, their grandmother's house who prepared this, this big meal every week at the same time. And their cousins would come and their aunts and uncles. And, and no matter what happened, no matter what else was going on in life at that time, that feast, that Sunday afternoon feast was always something you could count on. It's always something you could look forward to. It was a time when everyone in this big family sat down beside each other in one house because they belonged to one family. And that's the image we have here in verse 8. It says God opens his home up to us. He puts us around his table. He breaks into his expansive pantry and wine cellars. And he says, feast on the abundance of my house. Drink from the river of my delights. And this isn't an isolated incident. If you look throughout scripture, wherever we find God dwelling with the people he's created, dwelling among the people who belong to him, there's always food nearby. It was true in the garden, right? The abundance of fruitfulness that surrounded Adam and Eve. It was true at the tabernacle and in the temple. There was always food on hand, food being offered, food being enjoyed. And it's true in the meals that Jesus shares over and over in the gospels with his disciples. So here's my, my challenge for you this week. If you wanna find out what it feels like to belong, what it looks like to practice belonging, I want you to think about a specific meal you love. A specific meal that carries a strong sense of belonging for you. 
right? The tastes, the smells, whatever the, maybe the ambiance of that meal is. And then I want you to look on the October part of your calendar and pick a day where you're going to prepare that meal. Write it down on the calendar. Pick a day when you have adequate time to to actually prepare and, and get ready for that meal. And then I want you to pray about who you'd like to share the table with you that day. Who might be blessed by knowing they belong with you? They belong with you enough to sit at your table and enjoy that meal. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask you how it went, what it was like. What was that experience like for you and for those you chose to include in that space of belonging? And I challenge you to do that because when we do that, when we choose to make space for others to sit at our table, we're doing exactly what our God does for us. With that in mind, I want to invite you to share a meal with me this morning. It's a meal that's offered to any and to every person who desires to belong to God belong in the sonship of Jesus Christ. It's a meal of God's finest bread and wine. It's the meal of his broken body and his blood shed for us.